If you need a Bible, raise your hand. If you have one, go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. That's pretty easy this morning, all right? Genesis chapter 1. I just flipped the page, you're there. Uh, we're going to return there in a moment. For those of you that are visiting, uh, welcome. Happy New Year. Uh, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor at New Life. And if this is your first time here, at the end of our service, I'll be downstairs. Some of our pastors and staff will be downstairs as well. And we'd love to meet you at the end of our service here. So uh, today we are starting a new series that's going to take us through the month of January. And the series is entitled Rhythm, Discovering the Power of a Rule of Life. Uh, this time, kind of time of year is really a time where folks focus on resolutions and for the new years and all that. And resolutions are fine, uh, but a rule of life is better. And I'm going to describe why in a few moments. But before we get into our text um, in Genesis 1, I just wanted to give you a couple of uh, definitions about a rule. So to let you know what we're talking about, especially for those of you that might be relatively new to New Life Fellowship. And so a rule of life, uh, a guy named Pete, uh, you guys know him, uh, he said a, a couple of, uh, some great words as, as it pertains to a rule of life, that a rule of life is a structure or rhythm for our lives that enables us to pay attention to God in everything we do. It serves our desire to abide in and experience his love all day long, not compartmentalizing our spirituality. And so a rule of life is a way of seeing your entire life. I like how Ken Chigamatsu, a friend of ours, he also said, said it this way, simply a rule of life is simply a rhythm of practices that empowers us to live well and grow more like Jesus by helping us experience God in everything. Now, in a few weeks, we're going to be having our community toss class, which is for membership, and we're going to, at that moment, create personal rules of life. Uh, but for the next four to five weeks, we're going to be preaching through our community rule of life. That is, if you call New Life Fellowship your home church, this is how we are intentionally ordering our lives together to follow Christ. If this is your home church, if this is where you, you find community, if this is where we're following Christ together, we're ordering our lives in a particular way to follow Christ together. And so to be clear, a rule is not like a, a list of rules, like you can do that, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. That's not what we're talking about when we say rule. That word rule means it's a trellis. It's a framework uh, that allows uh, like a plant's grapevine to grow up, to get attached and grow upward and outward. And so if we want to bear fruit uh, in, for God, we're going to need a structure, a framework for our time together. And so lastly, before we go into our text, this is on our wall. When you walk in, you see our rule of life as part of our prayer, rest, relationships, and work. And next to it, you'll see different practices that we're trying to, as a community, come together and follow Christ uh, together. And so today we're going to be focusing on rest. And it's very intentionally so why we're focusing on rest to start the new year. The world is typically about resolutions. I'm going to do this. 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 A resolution. But today we're going to talk about Rest. So Genesis 1, let's read our passage and then we'll pray and um, begin here. Genesis 1, verse uh, 27, hear the word of the Lord. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and the 
all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has a breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Verse chapter 2 here, and two verses here. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that as we begin this new year, that we would get a fresh revelation of what does it mean to rest in you. We offer this time to you. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. I read an article that was released in September of 2015 by the CDC, not our Community Development Corporation, but the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. And the article title was, uh, it was entitled this, Insufficient Sleep is a Public Health Problem. Insufficient Sleep is a Public Health Problem. Uh, insufficient sleep has been linked to motor, uh, motor vehicle crashes, uh, industrial disasters, medical occupational errors. And then the article states these very uh, troubling words that persons experiencing sleep insufficiency are also most likely to suffer from chronic diseases such as hypertension, diabetes, depression, and obesity, as well as from cancer, increased mortality, and reduced quality of life and productivity. Happy New Year, everyone, or a Happy New Year. <laughs> A lack of adequate sleep has become a big problem for a lot of people. And this is a big problem for any of us. But if we take a step back, I want to suggest that the problem runs deeper than sleep. And here's the problem before us. That not only the many of us lack sleep, for many of us, I'd say maybe most of us, we lack rest. We lack rest. And here's the irony. It is possible to get a lot of sleep and still not be at a place where you're experiencing rest. It's possible. That's the irony and the paradox of this whole thing. You could sleep a lot and still not experience rest because rest is the quality of our interior lives that, that helps us live at ease in confident trust in God. Rest is the quality of our interior lives that helps us live at ease and confident trust in God. And so our bodies long for sleep, but our souls long for rest. And only God can give us rest. And we need both of it. This is why St. Augustine has said these words, that you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until it rests in you. My version of that is this. Unless we live our lives from a place of rest, we will live restless all our lives. Unless we live our lives from a place of rest, and we're going to see that the place is not a place, it's a person, we will live restless all our lives. And so all of us desperately need sleep, but what we really need is rest. We need the kind of rest that only God can give. And this is one of the more important things that we notice in this passage in Genesis 1. When you read Genesis 1, it's important to know that this this chapter, this, these first two chapters is not a history book. These are not chapters about history. That's not how it was written. Genesis 1 and 2 is poetry. 
And poetry is one of the beautiful ways to, to express and to speak about truth. And what Genesis 1 and 2 teaches us minimally is three things. First of all, it teaches us that God is the creator of all things. Everything visible and invisible flows from the power and the wisdom of God. That's what the first thing that Genesis 1 teaches us. The second thing Genesis teaches us is that humanity finds its place in relationship to God. That is, you cannot understand human nature, the human condition. You can cannot understand what it means to be human apart from our relationship with God. The third thing that Genesis teaches us is it shows us how to flourish as human beings. How does creation flourish? And it gives us a snapshot of what flourish, human flourishing looks like, how we are to be in the world. And the important thing to notice about Genesis 1 and 2, the passage I just read, is the order that we see of activity and of rest. Because God created humanity to work. We, we celebrate that, to imitate God in our activity, to create and to shape, to bring order out of chaos. God, but what we see is really important to see the order of things in Genesis 1 and 2. What we begin to see is a very intentional order. Because God is the one who creates. And then he creates humanity on day six. And then God creates a day of rest. And from this order, which we'll return to in a moment, we see this truth that unless we live our lives from a place of rest, we will live restless all our lives. And so what we need to learn is how to rest. We need to learn how to rest. Sleep comes, listen, after a while, your body can't take it anymore and you just sleep. For those of us who struggle with sleepless, after a while, if you're up hours, after a while, your body just cannot take it and you sleep. But we can live our entire life sleeping, but never learning how to truly rest. We need to learn how to truly rest. And this is a great way to begin 2016. Now, this is difficult resting, as what we see in Genesis 1, because we live in a culture of restlessness. We live in a restless culture. There's this interior restlessness that permeates our city. This restlessness that permeates our hearts. And restlessness is very simply dis-ease. Dis-ease, which leads to disease, right? Dis-ease. There's this restlessness that we all experience, this, this lack of ease that we live with. For example, there's a restlessness of, that we experience that we're always trying to prove ourselves to someone. And we can never rest because we're always trying to prove ourselves. Whether it's an employer, a parent, a friend, a peers, we're, we, we can live very restless lives trying to prove ourselves. We can live restless in our attempts to possess what others have. They were always trying to, to get what other people have, and this restlessness permeates our lives. Listen, we are the young and the restless, all right? We're the old and the restless. Wait, wait, every, everybody is restless. When do we get to the point where we say, I have enough? I've done enough. As human beings, it, it, it rarely happens. And while we're alive, we're always hoping for something else, a new season, a new change in life, something new. And so this restlessness drives us. And we're always looking for the next thing to make it happen for us, whether that next thing is a relationship or whether the next thing is a home, the next thing is a, a different career. We're always uh, uh, looking for the next thing. And so this restlessness is an inner compulsion to make things right on our own terms. And in this respect, life is never enough. I came across this uh, old and pretty famous article in Vanity Fair with Madonna. 
And she writes or she speaks about this internal restlessness that she experiences. And maybe you can uh, empathize and, and maybe feel what she feels. This is what she said about her restlessness. She says, I have an iron will. And all of my will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being. And then I get to another stage and think I'm mediocre and uninteresting. Again and again, my drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre. And that's always pushing me. Because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove I'm somebody. My struggle has never ended, and it probably never will. What she is longing for, and what you are longing for, and what I'm longing for, is deep, abiding rest that only God can give. Now, when you look at the passage in Genesis, I want you to see something beautiful, because God creates humanity, and he creates humanity on day six, and then God on day seven creates rest. He creates Sabbath. He creates a space, and the order is really important to see. Now, in explaining this, uh, I came across almost 20 years ago one of the more insightful um, uh, pieces written on Genesis 1 and 2 by a Chinese church leader named Watchman Nee. Many of you are familiar with this leader, Watchman Nee. And Watchman Nee wrote a book. This is actually the first book that someone gave me when I became a Christian, and the book is called Sit, Walk, uh, Sit, Walk, Stand, a fantastic little book on the book of Ephesians. And Watchman Nee writes, there are too many gems in there, but there's two that stood out to me nearly 20 years ago. And this past week, I just opened the book up again and read it again, and it, and it just blew me away again. And this is what he says, two important things. He says, first of all, all true spiritual experience begins from rest. Just really important principle to know. All true spiritual experience begins from rest. And this is what he says about Genesis 1. He says, whereas God worked six days and then enter, enjoyed his Sabbath rest, Adam began his life with the Sabbath. For God works before he rests, while man and woman must first enter into God's rest, and then alone can he work. Hear this. Adam's first day was a day of rest. That's really important. Think of it this way. Maybe, let's say you got a job, your, your first job. You went to the interview. They said you're hired. You bought your outfit. The next day you're about to work. And the night before, your boss calls you and says, tomorrow's your first day at work, but this is how we do things here. Instead of working, take the day off. Take the day off. I want you to rest. I'm going to get paid for it. You're going to get paid for it. Your first day as a part of this company here, is to rest. It doesn't make sense because you get paid to work. You don't get paid necessarily to rest. But the kingdom of God is different. Where, where God says to, to begin whatever you're doing, you first must begin by resting. And then alone then can you work. Because unless we live our lives from a place of rest, we will live restless our entire lives. And so here's the starting point. Before anything, our task is to rest in God, to rest in his love, to rest in his mercy, to rest in his forgiveness, to rest in his grace. This is the best way to start 2016, resting in God. And this is why later on in the Bible, the Bible writers make a connection about Jesus saying that Jesus is our true rest. 
that we find our true rest, not in a place, not in a thing. We find our true rest in a person. And Jesus would say this about himself, that in Matthew 11, he says, come to me all who are weary. Are you weary this morning? If you're weary, if, I know we just got the year started, but if you're already weary, Jesus says to you, come to me all who are weary and burdened. And here's the promise. I will give you rest. I will give you rest. This is a promise that Jesus gives us. And then he tells us how to rest. And then he uses very interesting language. He says, if you want to rest, take on my yoke and my burden. Now, I don't know about you, but a yoke and a burden doesn't seem really restful to me. But this is what Jesus says. Take take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It doesn't make sense that Jesus says, if you want rest, take on a burden. Until we understand what he means by yoke and burden. That word yoke is, is, is a wooden cross piece that is fastened on the necks of two animals, and it's attached for them to plow together or to pull together. And so the, the yoke is a, is a work instrument. So we might be thinking, shouldn't Jesus say, take on my mattress and you will find rest? How about a massage? You know, Jesus should be offering us a mattress, a massage, a vacation. Instead, he says, take on my yoke, take on my burden. And basically, this is what, this is what Jesus is saying. As we yoke our lives to him, we will experience deep rest. As your life is attached to Christ, you will experience deep rest. And the rest comes because of what Christ has done on the cross and what Christ is doing right now. In our Genesis passage, we've seen God as the creator of everything. But the New Testament speaks about Jesus as being not just the creator, but also being the sustainer. And if we don't understand this, this, this radical uh, theological point that not only is Jesus creator, but he's also sustainer, we'll have a hard time resting. Colossians 1, and hear, the, hear how it connects to Genesis 1, where it says, For in him, that is Christ, All things were created, things on heaven, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, were the thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. And then verse 17, which was my verse for 2015, and it's my verse for 2016. It's so good. I'm making it my verse again for 2016. He is before all things, and in him all things are hold together. Here's the beautiful part about this. Because Christ is holding it all together, you don't have to. Because Christ is holding it all together, I don't have to. Now here's the the tension of this passage. That life can feel like it's falling apart. And for some of you, you read that passage, he's before all things and in him all things hold together. And your experience probably doesn't match that verse because life can be falling apart. Some of you came in to church today and you're unemployed and life seems to be falling apart. And you're wondering, it doesn't seem like he's holding it together. And you're wondering, how in the world am I going to pay for this and pay for that? And you're struggling because of work. Some of you have family members with mental illness. 
and you wrestle with that. And you wonder, it doesn't seem like things are holding together. Things are, seem like they're falling apart. Some of you came in today, and you're sick in your body. And you've been sick for a while. And it feels like everything is falling apart. And it doesn't seem like this verse really makes any sense. But as a community together, or as we start at the new year, the invitation is for us to trust that even though life experience seems to tell otherwise, that he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Your life might be falling apart, but he is holding it all together. The irony of Jesus is Jesus Christ is the broken one, the one who is broken for us on the cross, and through his broken body, he holds us together. He is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. Now, when we live from this place, that he is not just creator, but he's also sustainer, it becomes possible to live in the city that never sleeps and be at rest. Because he's before all things, and in him, all things hold together. And so in light of all this, some of you might be asking, what does this have to do with the rule of life? And I'd say it has everything to do with the rule of life. Because our rule of life is essentially learning how to rest in God. And our rule of life becomes the shared practices that helps us to do this. And, and, and so rest is to be an interior posture that leads to exterior practice. An interior posture of life, believing that God is holding all things together, that expresses itself in an exterior practice. And I know that I know that I know, I know you're trusting in God when you're able to rest. I know you're not trusting in God when you can't rest. And so how do we make our theology very heartfelt and very practical? If we believe that he's before all things and in him all things hold together, we rest. And so I want to just talk about two ways that as a community, as part of our rule of life, how do we rest together as a church family? How do we, how do we go into 2016 allowing rest to shape the way we live in the world? There's really two things I want to offer, and then we'll have communion together. How do we rest? First of all, rest is really about slowing down, slowing down our lives. A part of a rule of life is to eliminate hurry from our lives. It's the famous question that uh, uh, was asked of the, the great philo philosophy professor Dallas Willard that someone asked him, what is the greatest uh, enemy to the spiritual life? And his response was, the greatest enemy to the spiritual life is hurry, hurry. Because if our lives are always hurrying, there's no time to be at rest in God. And most, listen, we live in New York City. Life is about hurry. Life is about one thing to the next. And so we slow down and we slow down. You're going to hear more about prayer next week. But we slow down to anchor our lives in prayer. In this respect, prayer becomes rest stops. If you've ever uh, been on the road for a, a long uh, drive, you notice that just rest stops on the highway. And really, that's what prayer becomes. Prayer becomes rest stops for our souls. We're able to stop and pause and be in union with God and communion with God and saying, I'm going to let go of all the things that are before me because he's before all things, and in him all things hold together. We are invited to slow down. And one of the very practical ways that becomes a fixture in our lives to do this is by keeping Sabbath, is by keeping Sabbath. This is a ways that rest becomes a fixture in our lives and begins to impact the rest of our lives. 
Now, this idea of Sabbath is something uh, that we talk about often at New Life, and sometimes it takes a few times to hear it for it to sink in. Last time I preached on Sabbath, a New Lifer came up to me after the service and said, Rich, it took me five sermons, but I finally got what you're saying about the Sabbath. And I said, only five sermons? That is wonderful. Only five sermons? And so how do we live out rest as part of our rule of life? We, we practice Sabbath. Now, Sabbath, as we talked about, is a 24-hour period with no have-tos or shoulds with results in deep rest and renewal. And so God creates a space for us because, listen, there's, there's two options as it pertains to rest. You can either choose to rest or you'll be forced to rest. You can choose it or you'll be forced to rest because your body cannot handle it and your soul cannot handle it. And so uh, choose the way of, of, of Sabbath where we're choosing to rest to create this, uh, this space in our lives to deal with our inner restlessness because our lives are made for rhythm. Our lives are made for rhythm. We talk about this secular rhythm that the world lives, that it's all about work, 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 and then we go, thank you, God, for vacation. And then we do it again, work, 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 work. Vacation, thank you, God. This is not a sustainable rhythm. The, word, the, the sacred rhythm is really the interplay of working and resting and, and working from a place of rest. And this is what God has invited us to. And the only way you can rest is when you know that Jesus Christ is holding all things together. And when you really believe that, then you can rest. And so we talk about the Sabbath as, as, as a day of stopping your work, your paid and unpaid work, of resting, of, of, of self-care, of monitoring and stewarding the gift that God has given you in your body, in who you are, your soul. You're, you're managing, you're stewarding that. The day of Sabbath is, is for day of delighting in God. As Eugene Peterson said, it's about praying and playing. It's a day of playing and praying. It's about, the, it's about contemplating God. That 52 times a year, we create a new rhythm in our lives to, to deal with our restlessness. And here's the, the thing about the Sabbath. Ultimately, Sabbath is not about stopping the external work we engage in. It's, it's really about experiencing the freedom from the internal restlessness we experience. And all of us have this internal restlessness. A restlessness that leads us to perfectionism. A restlessness that leads us to just, uh, just ambition. I need to accomplish this. I need to achieve this. And we're never satisfied because only God can satisfy you. Only God can, can satisfy the deepest longing in your heart. And so when we rest in God as a rule of life by keeping Sabbath together, and we've talked about last year, we started this last year, that from Saturday evening to Sunday evening or Friday evening to Saturday evening, that as a church around the city, and we're all from around the city, that we would take that moment at 6 p.m. on Saturday or 6 p.m. on Friday to, to, to essentially light a candle as a sign of God's presence, as a sign of the, of the Sabbath to say, Lord, I am resting in your love. And imagine as a church if we did this in homes all around our city that as the world continues to work at a pace that is not sustainable, that we would say, no, our God is not Pharaoh, our God is not our workplace, our God is not money. We, we serve the living God who is alive, who's holding all things together. And you know you can do that when you rest believing that he is before all things 
and in him all things hold together. And so rest, very simply, is about trust. And the degree to which you trust is the degree to which you can rest. I know that because I've been in bad relationships as a teenager, and even my early teens, and know that when there is no trust in a relationship, there is no rest in a relationship. It's like, who are you texting right now? Like, what's that about? Like, who's that? Where are you going? If there's no trust, you're never at rest. When you're driving, you don't trust someone that's driving. You're not resting on the passenger side. You're not. You're just looking at them, making sure. You know, that's a stop sign right there, right? That's a green light. It's red light, bro. Just slow, slow down. If you don't trust the person that you're with, there's no rest. When you fly in airplanes, right? If you don't trust the pilots, you're not sleeping on the plane. Every little thing, boom, what was that? You know, that's how we are. But the invitation to follow Christ is an invitation to trust. And when you can trust in the beautiful reality that he is creator and sustainer, then we can rest. We can, and, and the answer to our restlessness is not more activity. The answer to our restlessness is to abide in God and allow the truth that he is the creator and sustainer to guide our lives. He's holding it together. I wish I could look at each of one of you in the eye before you walk out the church and say, he is holding it all together. Life might be falling apart, but he is holding it all together. And the invitation for all of us on this first Sunday of 2016 is to let go. Because God is holding it together. I want to invite our worship team to come forward. And I want to invite you to close your eyes for a moment. And I want to invite those that are going to be offering communion to come forward. Where in your life is it hard to trust God today? Where in your life is it hard to trust God? Today really is an opportunity for us to begin our year in radical dependence and rest on God. Coming back to that truth that, Lord, you are before all things and in you. All things hold together. So whatever that area is, just offer it to God today. You might want to say words like, Lord, this is really difficult for me to hand over to you. Lord, teach me how to let go. How to trust that you are good. That somehow in ways that I don't even see, you're holding it together. Take a moment and then we'll, we'll take communion together. Father, as we come to this table of communion, I pray that you would remind us that it is through the broken body of your son, Jesus, that the world is held together. 
Lord, teach us on this first Sunday of 2016 to live our lives out of a place of deep abiding rest in you. Because unless we find our rest in you, Lord, we will live our lives restless. So show us the way. Teach us. Spirit of God, lead us in the way we should go. And may we rest in the comforting truth and reality that you are not just creator, that you are a sustainer as well. So we come to this table of grace, not based on our works, not based on our righteousness, based, based on who you are, your righteousness, your works, your performance, not ours. Lord, as we take bread and dip it in the cup, may we, may we be reminded that you are before all things and in you all things hold together. We pray this in Jesus' name and everyone said, I want to invite you to stand, take bread and invite you to dip it in the cup and go back to your seat and then we'll, we'll share communion together as we're reminded that his, Christ who's broken, his broken body is holding it all together. Some of you today, you're battling deep restlessness inside of you, and you need uh, just someone to pray for you today to find rest in God, that he alone is our source of rest. Everything else will leave you restless. Only God can satisfy the deepest longing of our soul. And so whatever need you have today, uh, emotional, relational, financial, physical, just come up and receive prayer especially if you're at a place of restlessness in your life. And listen, for some of you, maybe you're not even a Christian today. Maybe it's your first Sunday of 2016. You said, I have a New Year's resolution. I'm going to church now. But you've never uh, made a decision to follow Christ, to receive the rest that only Christ can give you. And if you've never done that before, we have a prayer team here. And maybe today you, you sense this tug. That's the kind of rest that my soul is longing for. And if that's you, just come up and one of our prayer members would love to pray with you and just show you what your next steps would be. And for some of you that are our Christian and maybe at one point you rested in God, but you got off track and now you're just restlessness. You're, you're dealing with restlessness and you just need to be recentered in the love of God. You can come up to receive prayer as well. But as we close, I want to invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. If you're new here, close every gathering like this. This is a sign of receiving. You cannot give what you have not received. So this is just our posture saying, Lord, whatever you want to give me, I receive, out of which I'll give out. And so with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he shine his face upon you. May he fill you with peace. May you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, resting in God. May you live from a place of rest, that you don't have to be restless all your life. May God lead you this week to take rest stops in prayer, to practice Sabbath, to believe that he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Brothers and sisters, God is with you. I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the resurrected name of Jesus. And the people of God said, Amen. Grace and peace, everyone.